summer is a great time to catch a movie and some popcorn. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In our series, Summer Blockbusters, we will be taking a look at four of this summer's hottest movies. Each week, we will uncover biblical truths that can be talked about and used to help strengthen us in all our lives and all we do. Join us as we have some fun connecting the big screen with God's Word. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite a picture there at the end. I didn't see that picture first service. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, people the last several weeks kept asking me if I was going to dress up as Elvis. And I said, I, I really can't pull that off. Uh, the truth is, I didn't have to purchase any of these things today. They're all things that I already own. The glasses, I can't... Yeah, okay, this is better. So we are, we are in our series, Summer Blockbusters, and uh, this fourth one is Elvis. And uh, so, so that actually was given to me like 10 years ago by my Uncle Alan. Uh, for probably the first five, six months, it was in our bedroom. Um, yeah, five or six months. Um, I don't really know what the problem was, but my wife said it couldn't stay there any longer. And so now it's, it suffers in the garage. So, yeah, we had a good run, Elvis. So, so as we start this morning, I want to take you back a little over 45 years ago. It's August 16th, 1977. It's my birthday. I'm turning seven years old. And so my family and a few friends are having a, a little birthday party for me. Uh, we lived on Van Owen Street in the lovely city of Reseda, and, and we're getting ready to, to cut the cake. We're going we're gonna to light the candles, we're going to cut the cake, and, and I don't remember who called, I don't remember who answered the phone, I just know that somebody called, somebody answered the phone, and when the phone got hung up, they turned around and they said, Elvis is dead. And so when that statement happened, my party was over. Okay, now I, honestly, I don't even know... I'm pretty sure the cake got eaten. I don't remember if the candles ever got lit. You know, my mom keeps these picture scrapbooks from when we were kids, you know, and so she's got a book for each year. And if you go to 1977, I did it this last weekend. I went to her house and I opened up 1977. If you look at all the other years, there's lots of birthday pictures for, for me and my three siblings. But in 1977, you open it up to where my birthday picture should be, there's just one picture. It's seven-year-old me sitting at the table with a cake, no candles, and nobody else is in the picture, just me sitting there, kind of blank-faced. And so that was my birthday 45 years ago. I remember my grandma calling my Uncle Alan, and I remember my Uncle Alan getting so mad at my grandma because he was like, why would you say something like that? And my uncle hung up on my grandmother because he didn't even believe that it was true. Like, why would my grandmother play that kind of a trick on him? And so I really do remember that day of that night, that afternoon, my dad going out uh, into the garage, and he had his little cassette player, and, and he sat there, and, and if you remember, if you've been you were around that long, and some of you forget it, you weren't around, but, but every radio station, they were all playing Elvis songs, and they were playing tributes to Elvis. So my dad sat out there all day, and all night with his little cassette player recording 
everything that was being said, everything that was being played. And so, yeah, in my family, the death of Elvis was a, was a pretty traumatic thing. I mean, we can't agree on a life. If you've met my family, you know, we don't agree on many things, but we agree on our love for Elvis, okay? Still to this day, my family is unified behind Elvis. Now, my wife's standing in the back. She's not an Elvis lover. She didn't reveal that before we got married. You know, they keep some things hidden. Yeah, she told me she didn't like Elvis after we were married. I'm like, what? So anyway, my family was very unified by our love of Elvis. Matter of fact, still, I love listening to Elvis. I could listen to Elvis music all the time. If you were to look at my music app on my phone, the only, there's only one person I probably listen to more than Elvis, and that's Tim McGraw. Please, Lord, don't overtake Tim. So anyway... So, of course, I was excited when an Elvis movie was coming out. Of course, even if I wasn't preaching this sermon today, I was going to see it. And so we're going to do this a little bit differently than the last three weeks with Pastor Rob's sermons on summer blockbusters. So I do want to take just a moment and talk to you guys about the movie. How many of you have seen the movie? You guys should be ashamed of yourselves if your hands are not up. My word, what is wrong with this? Did you know this about this church, Rob? And your hand didn't go up. Oh, man. Anyway, I knew this movie was coming out. I was looking forward to it. Now, this is what you need to know about the Elvis movie. It's not a biographical movie. It's not really, like, it's loosely based on history. Okay, but there's a lot of, it's a movie. They're trying to entertain, okay? And so, you know, like Elvis, yeah, people didn't like him swiveling his hips and dancing all around on stage. But no, he wasn't, he didn't have to go into the army because he was in trouble for doing that, you know? Or there's some scenes with him hanging out with B.B. King on, on Beale Street, okay? I'm sure they knew each other, but I don't know how much they actually hung out. And so, but it's a wonderful, wonderful movie, because even though it's not a historical movie, it, it it's captures what I think is the essence or the spirit of who Elvis was. And so it really is a, a fun movie, um, and I really enjoyed it. But, but one of the things that, that I want us to think about here this morning is this. Well, actually, there's several things. So as I was watching the movie, as it was coming to its conclusion, obviously, I was very well-versed in how it ends, okay, because I lived it. And so as I was sitting there, and I was watching the movie, and I knew it was coming towards conclusion, I, I, was, I was getting sad, okay, because I knew that he died so young. Elvis was only 42 when he passed away. And so I was sad because he died so young. I was sad because the truth is his death was avoidable. He had some bad habits that in the end of the reason, you know, that he passed away. And so his death really was avoidable. And I was sad because I never got to see him in concert. And I know that last one is, is very selfish. But as I was watching the movie and I was thinking about the dates and thinking about how old he was, and I was like, you know what? In my 20s and 30s, I should have still been able to go see Elvis Presley in concert. Like he would have been in his 50s and 60s and maybe early 70s, but I should have been able to go see him. Now, he wouldn't have looked the same, but I promise you the voice would have still been the same. And I was sad because I like, no, I didn't ever get that chance to hear him or to see him in concert. And yet as we're thinking about our sermon series, uh, by the way, I could talk about Elvis all day. And as I was going through all my stuff at home, I realized I could fill, like we wouldn't have been able to have musicians up here because I have a lot of Elvis stuff. I didn't even realize how much I had until I was looking 
And I was like, wow, there's a lot of this stuff. But as it pertains to what we're going to talk about today is this. Elvis, I believe, had a gift. And while he, he left us too early, that gift lives on. It's beautiful, the technology. You can still hear Elvis sing. And, and I believe that Elvis was born to sing. I, on the other hand, I was not born to sing. Uh, you may have heard recently the staff took a spiritual gifts test because we wanted to do it. I wanted everybody to do it, and so we started with us. Uh, I scored a zero on the music and worship section. Um, there's really only two people in this world that think I'm a good singer, my mother and my wife. Neither one of them are telling the truth. Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't like to sing. I love to sing. I just don't think other people should have to hear me sing. Okay, like no one else should have to put up with that. And so that's one of the great things about most weeks when I sit up front, like no one is, is, is forced to hear me. Okay, I'm, a, I'm on my own over there. And so when I think about Elvis, you realize that, you know, he was never meant to be a delivery boy for Crown Electric, which was one of his first jobs. He was put on this earth to sing. He was put on this earth to use his voice. And just like I believe that, that he had that gift, I believe that each one of us, God has gifted with a gift that he wants us to use for his glory. You know, as followers of Christ, I believe that the Holy Spirit has given each one of us a gift or gifts that he wants us to use for his glory and to lift him up. There are some verses that I, that I want us to look at this morning. First in Ephesians chapter 2, very popular section. Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this is one of the most popular verses in all the Bible because it reminds us that we are saved by God's grace. You and I could never be good enough or do enough to earn God's grace. Like we are saved by God's grace because of our faith in him. That's where salvation comes from. But we were created to do good works. So we aren't saved by our good works, but we were left behind here so that we could do those good works that God created in advance for us to do. Like our good works, the things that we do to serve him and to serve others ought to be a, a natural and grateful response for what God has done for us. Like it ought to be just a natural reaction. Not, not we don't serve and we don't do things. We don't serve him out of fear or guilt or obligation, but we serve him because of what he has done for us. We can't help it. We have to serve. And so I think there's like some, there's some like universal things. Like we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, but there's some universal things that are true for all of us when I think about those good works. Like I think God has created all of us to, to love people. He's created all of us to serve other people. He's created all of us to tell others about him. But then there are unique things that each one of us, or each of us, different skills that each of us have. And so um, we'll come back to this in a little bit. Next verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And it's a verse that's talking about spiritual gifts. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11. says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are to use the gifts that God has given us to serve other people. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are here, you are listening, you are a follower of Christ, Scripture is telling us that he has gifted you so that he might be glorified and he might be honored. You have a gift or talents that God has given you so that he might be praised, so that glory and honor would be given to him. And so when you, we believe that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are given this spiritual gift or gifts. And many of you are probably sitting here right now going, he did? Really? How do I not know about this? Okay, but that's what we believe Scripture is teaching us in those verses, that God has given us spiritual gifts. You know, in Acts chapter 2, in verses 38 and 39, Peter has preached this incredible sermon. The people are convicted. It says they were cut to the heart. And then he says, what shall, they say, what shall we do? Their response, like the greatest response any preacher could ever get from a sermon is they say, what shall we do? And then he tells them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, the promise is for you and your children, for all those that are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, you and I, that promise is still good to this day. We are those people that are far off. And so we believe that God has given us his spirit. And by giving us his spirit, he has also gifted us to do these different things. One last verse I want us to look at for this part. And, and there's a whole section that you could read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Pastor Rob read part of it either last week or the week before. We're going to read two sections, verses 12 through 14 and then 26 through 31. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now skipping down to verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, the apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And then he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so in that section, Paul is comparing the church to the body. Okay, and so that's what I want you to think about. Each one of us that's part of this church, we are part of that body, okay? I don't want to say what part you are, okay? But you all are part of that body. Think about what happens when, like, one part of your body decides not to operate right. The whole rest of the body is affected, isn't it? 
okay? It, all it takes is one part to not be working right, and your whole body is off. And so in Paul's illustration of what the church is like, it's comparing the church to a body, and we are all different parts of that body. And so that means each one of you, each one of us, not just a handful of us, not just 10% of us or 15% of us, each one of us has a function and a purpose and a reason for being here in an area of service. And so what I want you to, to think about in these verses is, you know what? God has created us to, to do good works. Those scriptures also teach us that God has gifted us to do those good works. And that God has given each one of us different gifts so that we could complement each other. Okay, like we all have different, we all have different gifts. Like I think of what would happen if we all had the one gift, the same gift. That wouldn't be very good. Our bodies wouldn't function if we were all, you know, the same thing. And so after all looking at this, is the idea that our spiritual gifts are there to bring God glory. You know, over 25 years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Church. Some of you have probably read the book Purpose Driven Life. Uh, a purpose driven church is obviously about the church. And he has one chapter where he talks about turning members into ministers. And there's something I underlined 25 years ago, and I read it again in preparation for this sermon. I think it's so important because what he does in this chapter is he talks about this idea of shape. Okay? And if you know Rick Warren, he likes all his points to either have the same letter or he likes them all to be like acrostics. Okay? And so I've never been able to get into that. I think he was, he may not have been, okay, but I always think of him as being like the creator of the fill-in-the-blank sermon outline. You know, like he really popularized that. Um, and, and like I said, every, every point started with the same letter or it spelled something out. Well, shape is, does exactly that. Shape stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. And it talks about how each one of us has our own unique shape. But then he says this, so it's so important for you and I to understand what our shape is. And he writes this, and I underlined it 25 years ago, and it's still powerful today. It says, if you don't understand your shape, you end up doing things that God never intended or designed you to do. When your gifts don't match the role you play in life, you feel like a square peg in a round hole. This is frustrating, both to you and others. Not only does it produce limited results, it's also an enormous waste of your talents, time, and energy. God is consistent in his plans for our lives. He would not give each of us inborn abilities, temperaments, talents, spiritual gifts, and then life experiences, and then not use them. I can't emphasize enough how important that paragraph is. Because we might have a desire to serve, but then if we get put in the wrong place, it's not going to be effective, and it's only going to be frustrating. Okay, like, like uh, we'll get into this a little bit more, but like I'm more of an introvert. Okay, we have greeters in our lobby each Sunday. You know who you want as a greeter? Not an introvert. Okay, you want someone who's an extrovert. You want someone who's outgoing, who's happy, you know, happy to be around people and smile. It doesn't mean I'm not happy to be around people. I guess that's kind of what I said. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Rob's like, yeah, well, you got that right. Okay, so anyway. Uh, but, you know, there's a certain type of personality you want doing that. And so it's so important for us as we talk about shape that you all figure out what your shape is. So your spiritual gifts, do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? 
Um, we, we, we've been talking about this in staff, and so all of us as a staff took a spiritual gifts test. We started sending it out to our teams. Um, like for 40 years, we've taken the same paper spiritual gifts test, and I think finally uh, someone reached into the modern world and has digitized it, okay? We would like everyone here to fill out that spiritual gifts test so you can find out and figure out what your spiritual gift is. Now, it's just a test, and it's a man-made test. It's not perfect, okay? But I, but I think it can help you understand how God has gifted you. Um, and, and so that, that would be awesome if you could fill that out. I strongly encourage you to do that. I also think we can find out what our spiritual gifts are just by looking for areas and opportunities to serve. Because you might think, oh, this seems like a great idea. And then you offer to help with something, and you go and you realize, oh, no, this is not good for me. You know, like you might go, and this is just an example, you might go, man, I want to help with the children. The children are so important, I want to help with them. And you say, Amy, let me help with the children. And you get up there on the first Sunday, you go, I hate children. What am I doing here? This is the wrong place for me. Okay? You know, and so you're only going to find some of those things you're only going to find out by doing it. You're only going to find out by putting yourself in that situation. You realize, oh, no. No, no, I should never be allowed to be near children. Okay? But it doesn't mean that Amy couldn't use you to do something else, you know, or any of the areas of our church. You just look for those opportunities and you get involved. And you go, yep, this works. Nope, I should never do that again. Okay? So as we think about our spiritual gifts, what are your spiritual gifts? Do you know what they are? What are they? And how can you use your spiritual gifts to serve God? Secondly, it's our heart. Uh, Rick Warren says this about, us, about heart. It says, physiologically, each one of us has a unique heartbeat. Each person's heart beats in a slightly different pattern. Likewise, God has given each of us a unique emotional heartbeat that races when we encounter activities, subjects, or circumstances that interest us. We instinctively feel deeply about some things and not about others. And so what's he saying? Part of our shape is this. What are you passionate about? Okay, what are you passionate about? What, what, what gets you excited or what gets you motivated? We need to figure out what is that thing that gets at our heart. What is our passion? And it's always good to remember when you find your passion that, you know what? That might not be the same thing that everybody else is passionate about. And that's okay. You know, there's, a, there's thousands of worthwhile things that you and I could do with our time to help this world. And you know what? We all don't need, be, need to be doing the same thing. We all don't have to have the same passion. Okay? Not that those things that you're not passionate about aren't important, but it's important to find what you are passionate about. So what are you passionate about? And how can you serve God in the areas that you are passionate about? Your abilities. These are things that I think you're just, we're all naturally good at. Okay, if one of you guys' cars breaks down, don't call me because I can't fix it. Okay, I'm really good at calling a mechanic. That's about the extent of my mechanical abilities. I, I'll, I, I can call a mechanic for you. Okay, we all have different abilities, things that we are good at. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I, I, we took the spiritual gifts test. I'm a zero. You don't want me leading worship. Those aren't where my abilities lie. But I do have things that... that that fit right in that sweet spot for me. So because of COVID, there's been a lot of things that we haven't done the last couple of years too much. And uh, one of the things that we used to do and we've done in the past is we've gone to American Indian Christian Mission, which is in Sholo, Arizona. 
And when we go there, we spend half the day on the reservation doing a VBS for the kids. And then we spend the other half of the day uh, at the mission uh, doing work around the mission. And the last time that we went, we were there, and um, they have this big metal building that they have all these machines and all their tools and everything in. And, and I, I'm telling you, it's bigger than our sanctuary here. This is how big this place is. And it was a mess, okay? And so I don't know why he asked me to do this, but one of the guys who was in charge of what we were doing, he goes, hey, how do you feel about straightening up the, the storage? You can't call it a shed, whatever it was, the storage building. And I was like, yes, okay, why? Because that's where my talents lie. I am great at throwing things away. I'm great at organizing. I'm great at making sense out of nonsense. Okay, because what happens is every time there are groups that come in, they bring stuff to the mission. Painting supplies, tools, all kinds of things, and they leave it behind. And so when we got there, literally there was paint supplies in 10 different places. There were tools all over the place. Like for any of you gentlemen that are in your garage and you're missing a 916th socket, they have 50 of them at the American Indian Christian Mission. Just go there and pick one up, okay? And so they were all over the place. And so when he asked me, and he says, by the way, you have freedom to throw anything away that you think is bad. And I'm like, this is heaven, okay? This truly is heaven for me. And so I spent that week going through this building, throwing things away, moving all the equipment in the right places, like all the paint stuff was in one place, all the tools were in one place, all the, you know, and there were so many sockets. Like, I'm not kidding you. I had a box full of, of half-inch and 916 sockets, and the next one was like 5.8s, and, and it was just, it was, it was the greatest week of my life. <laughs> because I was doing what I was meant to do. Like, that, those were my abilities, okay? And, and so, like, I was so excited by this, and, and the thing is, so we haven't been back since, and this is, this is literally what was going on in my head when I was done with that week. I was like, you know what? And the next year, there's going to be dozens and dozens of groups, and they're going to make a mess out of this building, and that's going to be great. <laughs> because next year when we come back, they were like, John, how do you feel about cleaning the building again? And I'd be like, yes. You know, and some of you, if they asked you to do that, you wouldn't even know where to start. It, it's not, you're not passionate about that. You don't care about that. And it's not where your abilities are. Your abilities lie in accumulating that junk, okay? <laughs> like when we, when we redid the, when we did finish the upstairs, Pastor Rob gave me one job. He was, hey, John, how do you feel about cleaning the upstairs before we do the construction? I was like, okay. You know, we threw a lot of stuff away. Sorry to whoever stuff we threw away. Anyway, what are your abilities? And how can you use your abilities to serve God? Your personality, okay? So we have spiritual gifts, we have heart, we have abilities, we have personality. Clearly, God has a sense of humor because all of our personalities are so different. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us like working with lots of people. Some of us like working alone, okay? Some of us like doing stuff where everybody knows about it, and not, that sounds bad, but like you're able, you're in work fine in areas where people know, and other you do your best work where no one knows what's going on. So when we were in Arizona, and I was working in that building all by myself, at one point in the week, Don Slowey came walking into the room. She's like, John, can I help you? And I wanted to look at her and say, no. <laughs> but how can I say no to Don? And so I let Don in, okay? But I'm telling you, just about anybody else would have got a no, get back out, okay? 
because I do my best work in situations like that when I don't have anybody going, hey, what do I need to do? I'm like, let me just throw things away on my own, okay? So what's your personality? You know, you think about Jesus' disciples. They had very different personalities. They were not 12 guys from the same background. They had a vast array of personality differences. And that's one of the reasons why in the church it's okay that you and I are so different. We don't need to be the same. We don't have to have the same backgrounds. And so who and what is your, who are you and what is your personality? And how can you use that to serve God? And then lastly is your experiences. You know, we've all lived different lives. And we all have different experiences um, that, I, that I think God wants to use for us to help other people. You know, we have different educational experiences. We have different work experiences. We have different church. We even have different like church background experiences. We have different service experiences. We have different just life experiences. Some of those are good and some of those are bad. And as I think about our experiences, this is the important part. As you know, I don't think God ever wastes any of the experiences that we've gone through. I, I can think of good experiences in my life that God has used and taught me things through. But I also can think of some really hard experiences, some difficult experiences that I wasn't sure I was going to get through. And I look back now, and I can see how God can use those experiences so that I can encourage other people. Or, or maybe, I, you know, as you're going through those bad experiences, it's something that taught me something that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And so God doesn't waste your experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He, he wants to use all of it. And so this morning, I really want to challenge you all to find your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. And not just find it for yourself, but find it so you can do what God created you to do, so you could bring honor and glory to him. Imagine if every single one of us at this church knew our shape and then was using it and living it out. I want to remind you of, of a couple things before we close. You know, summer blockbuster Elvis. I really do believe Elvis was put on this earth to sing. Um, as I was, you know, I knew he'd recorded a bunch of stuff, but Elvis recorded about 60 different gospel uh, recordings. And I, I also read that that was the only thing he ever got a Grammy for was his gospel recordings. He was put on this earth to sing. So what is your shape? And just as we close, a reminder of that verse, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. I am God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the truth that, that you have created us with a purpose, with a plan that you want to use for your glory. And so I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would help us to find our shape and to look for opportunities, Lord, to serve you and to do what we're meant to do. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.
Forget all.